Well, we're ready to start uh, our new lesson, number seven in the series, The Life You've Always Wanted But Need Spiritual Discipline in Order to Obtain. And the topic for today is giving. Giving. I, uh, I think that uh, a great illustration to get our minds headed in the right direction comes from American history. The Marquis de Lafayette was a French officer that helped the United States much uh, during the the uh, war with England. He was an assistant to George Washington and worked with the army. But after the war was over, I didn't know this, he returned to France and he resumed his life as a, as a gentleman farmer. Uh, he had many estates and apparently in 1783, there was a horrible harvest and uh, Many of the farmers in his region suffered uh, greatly uh, during that that time period, and his farms, for whatever reason, were unaffected, and they weren't as devastated as all the crop failures around him. So one of his officers uh, on the farm came to him and said what he thought was, you know, good advice. He said to Lafayette, well, the bad harvest has raised the price of wheat. This is the time to sell. And after thinking about the hungry hungry peasants that were in those surrounding villages, Lafayette disagreed and said, no, uh, this is a time to give. Here, uh, during the time period that we're under, the COVID constraints, I think is an incredibly good time to think about giving. It's not time to hoard. It's not time to recoil in selfishness. It's a time to embrace a a spiritual discipline called giving. Now remember that our goal is transformation. We are training ourselves with a series of very purposeful activities. We call those spiritual disciplines because we want to live out a transformed life. And giving is one of the key uh, truths or key focuses of that kind of a transformed life. Now, the truth is, nobody likes to talk about giving. In fact, I'm sure at the start of this lesson, some of you already at least uh, emotionally rolled your eyes. There has been such an abuse of asking, perhaps even begging for money uh, in the modern church by Christian nonprofits and others um, that we, we as a, a group of believers have begun shying away uh, from the very important discussion uh, about how God's people are meant to be givers. Um, I, I am convicted that those that are around me uh, need to know more about the gift of learning to give. It is an expression, albeit uh, often and appropriately a silent expression that every Christian ought to be pursuing with great zeal. And the reason that's so important is that giving may be the single biggest and best indicator of the condition of a believer's heart. When we are generous, it says something about our heart. When we are stingy, it likewise says something about our heart. I think that that uh, a stingy attitude or a non-willingness to or a, a willingness to not uh, to not participate, not wanting to give, reflects a really selfish mindset uh, 
And we learned that very selfish mindset very early on in our lives. And it might be reflected in two little words that kids learn very, very early. One of them is mine, and the other one is more. We look at things and call out mine. Don't touch it. And we look at things that other people have and we say to ourselves, more. I need more. Giving, then, is a reflector of the heart of a believer who's growing in grace. Uh, our attitudes and our actions that are associated with giving uh, are, are a reflection of our walk with the Lord. The, the first verse to look at in that regard is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. And the phrase that I want to draw your attention to is the phrase that says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You could, in the margin of your notes, write the word treasure down and then draw an arrow to your heart. And the treasure will reflect your heart. What we value, what we hold dear, what is important to us, tells us a lot about what's going on in the heart of a believer. When, when we are generous, when we're cheerful, when we're ready, even as the Bible says, eager to give, we are, we are sending a signal out that we want to be right with the Lord. We want to show anyone that's paying attention that God is our master. And we're expressing in a tangible way a desire to grow and to be used by God. And I would even go so far as to say giving is an act of worship. Um, it's interesting to me that the early church associated their giving with that weekly gathering that they had. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 2, it says on the first day, or yeah, on the first day of every week, bring together those gifts that you have. So part of their worshiping, part of the rhythm of their worship was the act of giving. Now, it is very true that God expects us to give. In fact, he has commanded us to give. In your notes, I gave you some Old Testament references, New Testament references, and even quoted Jesus in the Old Testament in Leviticus 27 and verse number 30. Thinking about this, the Bible says, A tithe of everything, notice that, everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to him. A tithe. That word just means a tenth, a portion of. Now, before you get all excited and think about just, well, all right, that's all I got to give is 10%, and then start fussing about, is that a net number or a gross number? Uh, a good Jewish person who responded to the various expectations having to do with sacrifices uh, actually gave far more than 10%. Some scholars will say they gave as, as much as 42% of, of their livelihood. The point is, is that God expected it to happen. He expected his people to give. Romans uh, chapter 12, now in the New Testament, the Bible says in verse number 13, share with God's people who are in need. It is assumed that we would be giving to others. And then directly out of the mouth of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 2, he says, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, etc., etc., but notice the, notice the, but when you give, 
It's not if you give, it's when you give. The truth of the matter is that we are, we are meant to be givers. And when we're giving, we're living an obedient lifestyle. Now, we can fuss about it and say it ought not to be that way, and I work very hard for my money. But as, as one of the passages in the Old Testament cautions us, remember who gave you the health so that you could even go to work. But, but my point is we have to be careful to see it as a means of being obedient. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. He's not pleased when we're not making those kinds of sacrifices. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, a place uh, uh, where Paul is directing the Corinthian church to pay attention to a collection for God's people. And in verses 1 and 2, he tells us about this obedient sense. He says, Now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So every week, you're supposed to be bringing in a portion of your income, and, and, it, and, it, and it's in response to what he told us to do. Each of you should do this. It's not optional. The believing uh, Christian is a giving Christian. The, uh, the God that we serve has an expectation that his people would be generous. Now, before um, we get too far in this lesson, I want to take a moment and talk about what the, what the basis of our giving is. And, and quite directly, the basis of our generosity is, is the fact that we have a contented heart. Look, we serve a God who is enough. In fact, one of his names in the Old Testament, El Shaddai, means just that, the God who is enough. We, we have a personal shepherd, Psalm 23, verse number one, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, when we grow in grace, when we apply God's scripture to our life on an ongoing, regular basis, we are in the process of learning to be content. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 12 speaks directly to this. Most of you probably know this passage, but, but just for another time, go with me to Philippians 4. In the passage of rejoicing in the Lord always and being told to rejoice again, being told that our gentleness should be evident to everyone, uh, the instructions to not be anxious about any, anything, uh, but to come to the Lord with prayers and petitions, with lots of thanksgiving, were to present our requests to God. And then the peace, the peace of God, uh, guards our hearts and our minds. And then he tells us what to think about. And then that same process is going on by the time we get down to, to verse number 12. He says, I know what it is like to be in need, and I know what it is like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, 
whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The mature mature believer, the one growing in grace, is learning to be content with what they have. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You see, when we understand that we have enough, it is not hard to share. Giving is the natural response of a contented heart. G.K. Chesterton, um, a theologian, once remarked that there are two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more and more. And the other one is simply to desire less. Desire less. What great advice that is for those of us who live in South County. We are surrounded with with a society that is driven to accumulate more. And not surprisingly, the vast majority of those around us are indeed not content. But the believer who desires less and recognizes that God has given him enough, then we have a contented heart. And out of that contented heart comes generosity. Uh, Dr. Swinson, in his book, Margins, I think I've mentioned that book to you before, he says, when we have a contented heart, we have two rules for life. One, God comes first and possessions are second. And two, possessions are to be used, not loved. A contented heart that's come to grips with the fact that God is first, possessions are a distant second, And even those possessions that we do have are functional. They're not to be cherished and loved, uh, hidden away and, and, and focused on almost like idols. No, they, they come easy. They go easy. God provides them. We have enough. And that contented heart then is in a position to be grateful and has much to share. Tremendous illustration of that is in, in Luke chapter 10. Uh, when it talks about the Good Samaritan. You know the story as well as I do. Um, A priest and a Levi walk by a man who's beaten and robbed and left on the side of the road. The Bible makes real clear that those two guys walked on the other side of the road so they wouldn't have any contact with him at all. But along came a a Samaritan whom Jews hated and, and wanted nothing to do with them. And the Samaritan stopped to help the man that was hurt. He bound up his wounds, presumably using cloth from his own clothes. He, he got him up. He stopped his bleeding. He cleaned up his wounds. He put him on his own donkey. He took him to an inn, perhaps way out of his way in his travels. He gave the innkeeper money for what he might need and then promised more on, on his return trip. You see, the, the actions of that good, uh, good Samaritan reflect a contented heart. He has much. He's confident in that, and he gives a bunch of it away. Now, our motives for giving start with wanting to please God. But, but there are other reasons why we ought to be generous givers. If we want to be transformed people, if we want to live the life we've always wanted— We have to be ready to give because people all around us have needs. Now, the first category that comes to mind when we think about people who have needs 
are, are the poor. People that don't have enough to put a roof over their head and to meet their basic needs of food and shelter and clothing. Proverbs 28 verse 27 says that those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. I'm, I'm convicted that many in, in my world, in my society, in our area, we, we spend a lot of time closing our eyes to the poor around us. Did you know, I looked it up today, there are over 7,000 people in Orange County that are living either in shelters or on the streets. 7,000 people. Most of us spend a little bit of effort to ignore that and to ignore them. Uh, in my own city, I read an article not, not too long ago about a man who was running for a political office, and part of his platform was to get rid of the poor and homeless in our community. Now, I realize that there are societal issues associated with the homeless. I'm not, I'm not embarking on that discussion today, but I am saying that God, God has asked us to give to people who have less, who have needs, the poor. He also asks us to give to those who ask us. See, the poor might not ask. They might just be there. But there are a lot of people in our culture, in our everyday life that we come in contact with, who, who actually ask us for help. In Matthew chapter 5, and verse 42, very directly the Bible says, Give to the one who asks you. Now, they might ask with a sign, a cardboard sign, while they're standing on a street corner, or they might ask as you pass by them. But there, there are people all around us asking. Uh, before COVID, I was uh, going into a Starbucks, and on my way into the Starbucks, a gentleman who was uh, crippled from some, uh, or some physical ailment was sitting in a wheelchair, and I had to pass him by. And he asked me directly, could I help him? And I stopped, and I, and, I, and I helped him. And while I was getting my coffee, I, I thought more and more about that young man. And on my way out, I stopped again. And this time, I, I made a direct invitation to him to join us in church because I said, you know, there are some great things happening there and people who would care for you. People who ask us deserve for us to respond. Now, I, I understand, again, that there are issues associated with panhandlers. I realize there are issues with, with having certain people in certain neighborhoods doing certain activities. I get all that. But I'm telling you that the Bible is very clear that believers should be givers, and one of the groups we should respond to are the people who ask. A third group that we ought to respond to when they ask are, are other believers. Romans chapter 12, verse number 13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, I, I love that, that particular verse for several reasons. One, he's clear that God's people sometimes are in need. And it is the responsibility of the mature believer to give to those needs. But I love the part about practice hospitality. Giving, I think, is a, is a muscle, if you will, that needs to be uh, worked 
We need to practice being generous with our time, with our possessions, with our money. And one of the one of the easiest groups to practice it with is other believers. When you hear of a need in your small group, or someone mentions something at church, or you read about it in an article, or you even overhear a conversation, that's the time to respond, to be generous, to dig deep. Um, during COVID and this time of being tucked away in my house, one of, one of my requests of God was to turn up my radar for people that are in need, whether I know them or I don't know them, whether they're in my community or they're around the world. We are to be people who give for other believers uh, in, in, our, in our world. The, the fourth group that I think we need to be responsive to is our church. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now, I understand that, that, that the application of that verse is primarily uh, the, the needs of the temple, and, and they were talking about the uh, Jews bringing their actual physical tithes so that there could be support for the temple and all the aspects of worship there in Jerusalem. But I think there is a New Testament uh, counter uh, to that. And the, and the New Testament counter to that is for us to bring our gifts into the local house where we serve. Our church needs our support. Um, I, I recognize that we have all kinds of other things to give to. I've just mentioned three before I mentioned our church. But I think our church ought to be our primary focus for giving. Bring it to the storehouse. Be generous, both to the regular giving and to the special needs that occur. And then we need to give to other ministries. I think uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in that long section about giving, at one point he says, give what you have decided in your heart. Again, back to my uh, COVID response, I wanted my radar on my heart to be a little higher I wanted to be a little more sensitive to, to needs that cropped up because it would be one of those ways that I could express uh, my, my, my sense of protection that God has given me so generously. The idea is to have a, a place in your heart where you're sensitive to others' needs, other ministries. Ask God to develop it. Um, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural. But there are lots of appropriate ministries appropriate nonprofits, appropriate groups that need our support, everything from those that are feeding the poor to those that are doing specialties, spiritual ministries around the world. These are, these are organizations and groups and people that deserve our support. So we give because people have needs. You know, we need to remember, though, um, we also give not because, but, but reflecting off of the fact that, that God is going to bless when we are generous. It's not our primary motive, motivator or motive, but, but it is a great benefit. There are blessings that are set aside for a cheerful and generous giver. The passage that kind of hit me between my eyes was in Proverbs 11, verse 26. It says, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the, willing, on the one who is willing to sell. 
Another verse along those lines is in Psalm 41, verse 1. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them, the ones who are generous, in times of trouble. And the large teaching, again, is in 2 Corinthians 9. And in verses 7 and 8 in that passage, it says, Each of you should give. And then he goes on to say, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We, we give because it's the right thing for a believer to do. We give because we want to reflect the condition of our, our heart, our responsiveness to God. We know it's been commanded, but we know that, that when we give, we're, we're giving a bit of a reflection about what's going on in our growing and maturing and transforming heart. And because people have real needs, we give. So at the end of all that, we ask the question, so what? Once we realize all those truths and we purposely set out to live that kind of a transformed life that has fullness and joy, and we recognize that it, it's required that we have a generous heart, how do, how do we accomplish that? How do we, how do we get that done? How do we become a really good giver. Well, I, I put down five ideas for you this week. The first one was just start. Just start giving. Start small. Give some of your time. Pick a nonprofit somewhere here in South Orange County, maybe a food bank, and go down and spend two hours a week giving away your time. Or, or give your things what a great opportunity to clear out our closets and our garages and all of the things that we no longer need. We've got extras or plenty, and we share that, giving it away to a, to a shelter or somewhere else maybe that uses those things to raise income for their, for their ministry. Giving away extras. It dawned on me uh, the other day that I have a, a nice outdoor barbecue in, in my home. But I also have a really nice portable uh, barbecue. And, and I was supposed to use it in my RV, but it's really too big. And I, and I think I've actually unloaded it once. Well, I thought in my mind the other day when that barbecue came to thought, hey, I know this young couple, and they're just getting started in their life. Maybe, maybe a, a nice little uh, you know, portable barbecue would work in their apartment. Giving away our extras is a way that we start learning to be a giver. And having a heart that's, that's willing to give out financial assistance to those around us. We just start. Secondly, we give in secret. The Bible is just stuffed full of references about not giving in a showy manner. In fact, in Matthew 6, he makes a big deal about how the hypocrites make sure and give, in, in essence, blowing their trumpets so everybody else can know. Giving is an inward submission of our heart. It's not intended to be done for show. The better and, and most meaningful way to give is to give in secret. Thirdly, we need to give generously. Generously. 
Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verse number 25, reminds us that, quote, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When we are generous, when we give freely, when we give extra, God notices that. It's a, it's a, it's a way for our heart to, to develop to move beyond, oh, it's all about me and myself and my family. And it, and it begins to develop, develop in us a mindset of caring for those around us. We need to be generous, not stingy. When I first came to know the Lord, the gal who led me to Christ set me down the first week or so after my salvation. It was payday. And uh, I had just cashed my check and had the money sitting on my dining room table. And uh, the gal who led me to Christ, her name was Donna. Donna leaned over and she said, okay, well, let's, uh, let's sort out the, the principle of giving here. And I said, uh, okay. And she read me some passages that talked about tithing. And it, it, it resonated in my heart. I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. I should give God 10%. He gave me 100% of this and I can live on 90 So... She peeled off however many dollars it was that represented a tithe and put it on the other side. She had some envelopes from the church, and she put it in the envelope, licked it up, and put my name on it. I thought, all right, that's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to tithe. And then she turned and looked at me, and she said, well, the tithe is what's required. Now, what would you like to give out of a heart of love? Wow. I thought I'd done a, a real big thing just agreeing to tithe. That, that which we get credit for, that which God is so delighted to see, is when we are generous with our giving. I laughed when I read this little story about a, a guy in Scotland who went to church, and he had a couple of coins in his pocket. One was a, was a crown, which is worth a fair amount of money, and the other was just a penny. And so when the, the bag was passed, uh, he dropped what he thought was his or his penny into that bag and then realized, oh my goodness, I've made a mistake. So he went running to the deacons that were collecting the bags in the back of the church and he said, hey, I, I need you to give me back my, my um, uh, excuse me, I'm telling the this, this story wrong. Uh, he dropped the crown in by mistake. And when he realized that he ran to the back and he said, hey guys, there's a mistake. I dropped the crown in. I, I need to, I intended to give this penny. And I need to switch it back out. And the deacon said, nah, no, no way. You dropped the crown in and we got it and that's it. And so the, the, the pretty generous guy was walking away, away kind of consoling himself. He said, well, I guess it's not all that bad. I'll get credit for it in heaven. And the deacon overheard him and stopped him and said, no, 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 no. You're going to get credit for a penny, not the crown. Guys, we need to... We need to be the kind of people that, that don't give the least. Stinginess is not an indicator of a mature and growing and transformed believer. Fourthly, uh, we need to learn to give in a planned and a kind of a regular way. Uh, we've already looked at the, that verse that talked about the early church that on the first day of every week gathered together their gifts. But but it, it is an indicator that they gave it some thought. Paul gave them some instruction. They stored up their blessings during the week and had it ready. And when he was coming through town, then he was going to be able to get the gift in a kind of, a, a kind of a, an intentional way. 
I think giving ought to be intentional. I think we should start with a plan. I'm going to give X, and I'm going to give it on these days and in this way. And, and it becomes regular. It's one of the reasons I love the automatic deduction thing for, for churches and other ministries. I just set out a plan, I set it up with the bank, and it's done. Uh, I'm not reliving that every month ba- based on, well, I'd really like to, well, it's a little tight. This No, I have my priorities, and it's intentional. We need to give in a planned and regular way. And lastly, I think sometimes we ought to give sacrificially. We might have a plan, and we might be being obedient and even generous in pursuit of that plan. But there are going to be needs that crop up in our life, and those needs may suggest a, a moment for real sacrificial giving. We learned uh, through the process of giving along the way, but we, we need to be reminded to always give him the best, the first fruits, the cream of the crop, and not what's left over. So if a, gener- so if a need comes along and, and there's any way possible, even sacrificially, we ought to respond and give. C.S. Lewis once said, I don't believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. He says, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. It's not a matter of fussing over what constitutes a tithe or what's part of the New Testament as opposed to the Old Testament or or when we should give exactly or any of those details. I think C.S. Lewis is right. I think the way for us to seek transformation is to be a people that's willing to give, give cheerfully, give generously, and sometimes to give sacrificially. Well, I've put some discussion questions at the end of your lesson. One of the first questions I put down was, why do you think that the church tends to avoid the topic of giving? What, what could change that? Think about that. Talk about that in your small group. I also asked, do you agree that giving is an indicator of the condition of our hearts? And if you agree or don't, kind of give your reasons for that. And then I got kind of personal and I asked, is it easy for you to be generous? And if you're honest and say, no, I'm not that generous, maybe maybe give some thought or, or have a discussion about what hinders you in that area. And then I kept going, being a little prodding. Are you a cheerful giver? And, and how does a cheerful giver behave? What do, what do they look like? And lastly, I hope that if you're in a small group, you'll come up with some practical ways that, that you can train yourselves to be more generous givers. And then ask yourself, which one should I start this week? Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Bible study. This would have been no fun without you. God bless you.